Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. In issues of racism, there are going to be some who will say, why don't you stick to preaching gospel? The social, political, and economic concerns have increasingly encroached upon the minds of those who should know better. The real transformative work in a nation is the transformative work of the gospel. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Don't you just love it when an unbeliever lectures the church and he's right. This is Wretched Radio. That, of course, is the voice of Jordan Peterson, one of the big movers and thinkers now at the Daily Wire. He's a psychologist from Toronto, and he caught fire when he refused to use forced pronouns. And he has continued to bring his combination of Jungian psychology and pseudo-Christianity to the masses, and young men in particular are responding because he is a no-nonsense kind of guy. What is the lesson for the church? Why is Jordan Peterson so popular? One of the reasons is He speaks directly, forthrightly. He doesn't coddle it. He doesn't apologize. He does not water down. He brings big ideas. He uses multisyllabic words. He does not think that people are dum-dums. But that's precisely how the evangelical church has been treating our youth for far too long. Jordan Peterson deciding... It's time for a message to the Christian church to get with the program. His concern is that young men are untethered. Young men don't know how to live. Young men have no sense of direction. In this country, we call it a mental health crisis. It's more like I don't know how to function and what my point and purpose is crisis. And Jordan Peterson calling out to the Christian churches, Thankfully, he actually apologized up front by saying, who am I? Because theologically, while we'd love to see Dr. Jordan Peterson saved, he ain't yet. Nevertheless, he apologized for delivering this salvo to the Christian churches. And while I I have a tendency to want to go, hey, who do you think you are? I'm afraid he's spot on. Now, not all of his applications are correct. If you'll notice, even in that introduction, things weren't all completely correct regarding Christianity and young men. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included. Well, actually, the Christian church is here to proclaim Jesus Christ, to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, No, not first and foremost. Everybody gets the same care. Everybody gets the same attention. Young, old. This is a mistake I think we made a long time ago that we identify a particular demographic in the church and say, that's where our efforts need to go. The reality is 
Everybody's hurting. Everybody's needing, needy. Everybody's growing. Everybody's struggling. Everybody has life events that they're coping with. So it's not just young men who need attention. We need to spread it around. That they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Without getting too nitpicky, but it is one of my spiritual gifts. Now, we, we don't build a ladder to heaven. That Jesus is our ladder to heaven. It's just a reminder that Jordan's understanding of Christianity, even in this video, he confesses, he delivers a psychologized version of Christianity. This is an example. Now, I, I grant you this might be considered picayune, but... When we listen to people outside of Christian orthodoxy, you're never going to get everything right from them. There's always going to be a little, oh, that's not quite. So this is a small example, perhaps. But when Jordan said young men need to build a ladder to heaven, you don't know the biblical story and that it was a type. It was a shadow of Jesus Christ. That is why we listen to people like this when they've got something to say, but we never turn off our Christian filter. Now, here comes the lecture to you, Christian church. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, you are welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time and energy and effort and your will and your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life more abundant for you and for your wife and children and for your community. Just to be a little bit nitpicky again, to glorify God and enjoy him forevermore. And your country and the world. That's, our, that's not our goal. Our goal is not to make a more productive planet. Our job is to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to point to him, to lift people's eyes off of self and lowly and base things and unto the Savior. That little nitpick aside, he's right. Why aren't we addressing young people, whether it's gender? I'm not as concerned about male or female. It is true. The secularists have done some decent surveying, and one of the discoveries that is very consistent is that a younger generation, they want purpose. They want to be doing something. They want work. They want something transcendent. They want their life to mean something. Boing! And there's the Christian church the whole time with all of those tools willing to help. And yet, what have we done? We've decided that young people need hip, cool, relevant. They need whipped cream, peanut butter, and if you can afford the fireworks, terrific. If not, some sparklers, some gross-out games. Let's just dumb it down. It's not what they need or want. Dr. Jordan Peterson is getting this right. And we have our problems in the Christian church. We are more abundant, sometimes far too often corrupt and sometimes deeply so. We are outdated. He keeps using the collective plural pronoun, we. As are all institutions with their roots in the dead 
but still often wise past. So join us. We'll help fix you up and you can help fix us up. That's a good word too. Oh, that hurts a little bit. Don't know what your attitude is toward the snowflakes, but I would like to suggest to you they have much to teach us. They have much that they could share with us. Furthermore, they've got more energy than older folks tend to have. And I'm not using the plural we with those older folks. I'm just saying that they do bring a lot and they can help us. And they can even stretch us and challenge us so that we grow and become more clear about our current positions. Jordan Peterson is right. We need to be shouting out to young men, hey, Hey, you're looking for purpose. You're looking for goals. You're looking for work. You're looking for transcendence. You need to look for Jesus. Come on in. And we invite them in. They're looking. And where are they finding guidance? Well, from this man. And together, we'll aim up. And here is a message to those young men skeptical about such things. What else do you have? You can abandon the churches in your cynicism and disbelief. You can say to yourself, narcissistically and solipsistically, the church does not express what I believe properly. Okay, that might be true, but our truth is found in the Bible and in the person of Jesus Christ. We are calling people to him. We do want to give people jobs. We do want them to feel like their life has transcended meaning because it does, because they're image bearers. But we want to make sure that we are pointing people to Jesus. And that's why, again, Jordan, he's got some good stuff, but he has a tendency to be a little off. Skeptical about such things. What else do you have? Well, that is not the way Christianity works. It's not, well, look, you've tried perhaps some other schemes. Try this scheme. No, the Christian proclamation is, this is what is actually real. Christianity is what is absolutely true. And it is the only means of transcendence. it's, It's not like Christianity or Jesus is a used car. What else do you have to try? No. We proclaim Christ and him crucified. That's how we win people to the Lord, not getting them to try. This is this almost has a little whiff of you've got a God-shaped hole in your heart. You've tried sex. You've tried drugs. You've tried rock and roll. Jordan is saying you have tried transcendence. You have tried purpose. You have tried meaning and it's failed. Hey, try Christianity. No, that's not the way we present Christ. We present him crucified, the savior of sinners. And that is the starting place, the middle place, and the ending place. And if we want to see the next generation saved, we need to call them to him. This is Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you... 
like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines, they typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org store. All of the resources that you'll find find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page. There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people for small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids clubs where they can and, because of the war, providing resources, providing food and shelter and prayer and, of course, the gospel to people who are in need. If you have never considered supporting Tomorrow Clubs, this might be the right time. You are needed in Ukraine. Tomorrow Clubs will do the work. They will take care of the distribution. They just need the resources. Would you please consider providing them? TomorrowClubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Basil of Caesarea was a bishop of Caesarea in the 4th century. He was a defender of orthodoxy and wrote several important works, proving the divinity of the Holy Spirit and refuting the Arian heresy. Most importantly, he introduced the Trinitarian formula, describing God as one being and three persons. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The youth want to work. We're giving them games. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Jordan Peterson, a salvo to the Christian church, encouraging us to step it up when it comes to young people, male and female. We have turned evangelical Christianity into a whoop-de-doo fest in hopes that the kids will just tolerate us so that parents are happy that they're out of the house on Wednesday night. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We are so off the mark in general, in Christian preaching, in Christian outreach, in Christian discipleship. Make it a mere Christianity. Dumb it down. Simplify it. Don't make it hard. People aren't willing to work wrong. 
They are looking for more. They are looking for profound. They are looking for transcendent. And what do we offer them? Zip lines, rap music on Sunday morning just to amuse the masses, anything to just try to get their attention. And we are just missing what they're actually seeking. They're, they are looking for something higher. I didn't say they're looking for Jesus, but they are scratching their heads going, this is, this is it. I like to think that all of the people that I see in restaurants that are on their cell phones, we were out the other night, I'm telling you, there were three women sitting at the table, three generations. You could tell it was grandma, mom, and child. All of them immersed in their cell phones. Oh, you're going to miss those years. You are going to regret that you did not invest every second into those little ones. I like to think that even those people are staring at their electronics even while they need their next quick fix, they're going, is this it? Is my life just meant to be viewing other people's activities? Is my life really confined to this little thing that I have to carry around with me or I'm going to have a panic attack? Isn't there more? And what does the evangelical church in general, not totally, in general, what do we offer? Hey, 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 morning, church, how's everybody? Come on, now I can't hear you. Let me, let me hear this side. Let me hear that side. Oh, I don't know. Balcony, what can you do? Because these places are packed with people who have a sense that maybe that building that hopefully still has a cross on it has something to offer me. And what have we done? We've dumbed down Christianity, frankly, almost to the point when it's, where it's unrecognizable. And the group, the demographic, that perhaps is struggling the most are youth. They're 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 getting their legs. You remember that sense, don't you? You were. It's like okay, I'm out of the house. Oh boy, what am I doing here? That's why you talk to so many young people, and they they use adulting as the phrase to say I'm I'm trying to grow up here. I'm adulting. I, I we we bought a house. You know we're adulting, right? They are, they're trying to figure out how this operates and how this works. And they're, they're coming to the rather surprising conclusion, whoa, it looks a lot the way my parents did it. And yet the Christian church is not offering them bigger and saying, you come into this building with us. We're going to put you to work because there are important things to be done here. There are more important priorities. You're right. Seeking stuff as your life's aim, it is a fool's errand. You are right about that. But instead of doing the little house business, less, less work, more living. No, that's not the right balance either. Come into the church. We're going to put you to work. And suddenly your work, whatever it happens to be, is going to take on transcendent meaning because you're going to be doing it for somebody besides your boss and a paycheck. Have we been proclaiming that's what Christianity is? Have we been discipling young people to understand it? I fear not. Dr. Dr. Jordan Peterson agrees, shouting out to the churches, get involved. And while I don't think Jordan Peterson is a believer, I do think that he has a lot of truth that we should consider well. What else do you have? You can abandon the churches in your cynicism and disbelief, 
you can say to yourself narcissistically and solipsistically, the church does not express what I believe properly. <laughs> I think he's, he's absolutely onto something historic with that comment, incidentally. Our current culture is obsessed with self, the autonomous self. We have become so inwardly focused. We are perpetual navel gazers. We find our truth inside of ourselves. And therefore, any of these old systems, any of these old people, any of these old nations, any of these old fill in the blank, they are, it doesn't matter. They're die. I have no connection to these things because it's about me and what I believe to be true. I think that's what he was alluding to. Who cares what you believe? Why is this about you? Do you even want it to be about you? <laughs> There's a reason this guy has caught fire. He's, that's the bullseye of our culture. We'll, we'll probably tackle this tomorrow. Started reading Carl Truman's book. It is titled Strange New World, where he's giving a philosophical history of Western thought and fascinating stuff all. But where we have arrived, at least currently, before the train keeps rolling down the track is self, me, my the pronoun debate is over. Everybody's pronouns are me, myself and I. That's what he's talking about. And that resonates with young people because they're like, you're right, because it has been about me and it doesn't feel good. What if it was about others? What if it was about your duty to the past hmm. and to the broader community wow. that surrounds you in the present? Wow. What if it was incumbent upon you and vital to your health and willingness even to live to rescue your dead father from the belly of the beast? where he has always resided, and to restore him to life. I don't know what that meant, frankly. But do you hear his call? Bring, bring it out of yourself. Raise it up. Going back to the past is not a horror movie. Going back to the past is wisdom. Sure, you glean it with any contemporary wisdom we may have gained, but that doesn't mean you abandon it. Jordan Peterson is saying, be a part of something bigger. Don't be an island. Don't be the autonomous self. Look back. Get involved. Join a church. Once again, to the churches, Protestant, you're the worst at the moment. <laughs> Catholic, Orthodox. Invite young men. Put up a billboard. Say, young men are welcome here. Amen. Print some flyers and put them in a box by the billboard. Signal the existence of those flyers with an arrow, with the words, more information about attending here. Tell those who have never been in a church exactly what to do, how to dress, when to show up, who to contact. Gotta tell you, he's right. By the way, I don't think it should be more information about attending. It should be more information about joining, because remember, they, they do want to be a part of something. And Jordan Peterson seeming to pick up on little things that people find rather peevish these days. Tell them how to dress. Tell them how to act. I'm telling you, they're looking for it. This is why that, that I think he was in the Navy, the admiral who delivered the commencement address probably to some East Coast University. Hey, make your bed. Make your bed in the morning. Wrote a book about it. 
And young people are gobbling it up. Why? Because somebody's actually telling them how to do adulting. And most importantly, what they can do. Ask more, not less, of those you are inviting. Ask more of them than anyone ever has. Remind them who they are in the deepest sense and help them become that. Your churches, for sake. Oh, boy. Quit fighting for social justice. Quit saving the bloody planet. Attend to some souls. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your holy duty. Do it now. I think he's pretty emphatic about this. Do it and do it now. What do we do with this screed from Jordan Peterson? We can brush it off because he's not a believer. He's a psychologist. We could say, no, our programs, they seem to be working. Here's the reality. The data is in. Overall, they're not. I'm not talking about every church. I'm talking more about the traditional, we've got to turn our youth group into a cool zone. It's all got to look all urban, Got to make sure we're playing the hippest Christian music we can, you know, kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. It's not what they want. They just they don't want it. And by the way, neither do adults. They don't want to come and hear piffles. They don't want to they don't want need any more life lessons that have no meaning, that have no transcendence and that have no grounding. Jordan Peterson, I think he's spot on with his analysis, his theology. It's not always consistent or right. Wish it were. But let's listen to this man. And maybe, church, make some adjustments. Are you calling young people up? Are you calling the adults up to more, to give more, to serve more, to love more? Because that's what we are built for. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, here's something unique. A writer in Sweden, who's also gay, has demanded, yes, demanded, that mosques in Sweden begin welcoming members of the LGBT community and examine their attitudes toward homosexuals. Yeah, I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that one's probably not going to be happening. But, nice try? Texas State Representative Brian Slatten has said that he is presently working on legislation that would prevent children from being allowed in sexually oriented businesses. And it stems, he says, from a June event in Dallas that saw parents bringing children to a gay bar for a drag show. You know, there was a time in this country where that story would have been parody, but sadly today, it's real. And from the told you so file comes the story of some guy pretending to be a woman. I don't see his birth name anywhere in the story, and I'm not going to call him by a female name because, number one, he's not a female. Number two, he doesn't even really want to be a female. So this guy's doing a 30-year stint in prison for manslaughter, and because he said he felt like a woman, the state of New Jersey thought it would be so wise to house him in a female correctional facility. And can you guess what happened? Yep, two of his fellow prisoners wound up pregnant. He's since been moved out of the women's facility, and I'm sure the 
taxpayers of New Jersey are happy to have to foot the bill for two pregnancies that should have never happened in the first place. And speaking of men pretending to be women, Will Thomas, that's the guy swimming on the University of Pennsylvania women's swim team. Well, in a cute move by the school, this guy, Will, who was born and still is a man, has been nominated for the NCAA's Woman of the Year Award. Insanity is a word that I feel like we overuse now. How about psychopathy? Because that feels like a better description of what this is anyway. So I saw an article on Not The Bee where they've taken the time to list all of the ways that we're socially permitted to refer to women without actually calling them women because woman is such an offensive and impressive term. So now we have birth givers, people who menstruate, people with uteruses, birthing people, which sounds an awful lot like birth givers, but it's different. Trust me, they say it's different, and it's different. Oh, here's a sick and twisted one. Abortion patients. How about pregnancy-capable friends? How do we know that they're actually our friends? Wouldn't that be assuming and I didn't think we were supposed to assume anymore. And we also have any pregnant person or person who could become pregnant. That's kind of a long way to say woman. And finally, gestational parents. That's a fun one. That one might actually be my favorite. I mean, who else can't wait to celebrate Gestational Parents Day? Hallmark, they've got a whole lot of new cards to make. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible First and Second Chronicles traces God's unfolding plan from Adam through the Babylonian captivity. When you wonder what God is doing in the world, Chronicles shows us this pattern. He is calling a people to himself, placing them under the rule of his king, and preparing them for worship. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Where, oh, where has the Protestant work ethic gone? This is Wretched Radio. The Federalist headline reads, The decline of the American work ethic will exacerbate the oncoming recession. It's not the American work ethic. It's the Protestant work ethic. And whilst this article does a bang-up job of citing statistics that indicate, whoa, we aren't working as much as we used to, stat after stat, unemployment, welfare, people not seeking jobs, retiring as soon as they possibly can. What happened? Why are we experiencing so many shortages? It's because there's a shortage of understanding of the Protestant work ethic. I wish this article had dived into that, but we will. How do you encourage your child to be a hard worker? And not just a hard worker, but the best hard worker. The one that the boss says, I can't lose that guy. Doesn't matter what you are doing. You're you're the guy at the car wash, and your job is to make sure that there are clean towels folded so that people can wash their dashboards. You should be the hardest working and the best employee, and your boss should see it and know it. How do we instill that? How do we go about the business of doing what past generations did, made their kids work? Why don't we anymore? Well, I think in part is because we don't have to. Even as our country continues to unravel morally and with any sense of, frankly, reality. Even so, the quality of living that you and I experience here is staggeringly high. I'm telling you, 
We all live better than King Solomon. We all do. The amenities, the conveniences, transportation, communication, fashions, you name it. Wow, we've got leisure activities. We live well in the West. And I think that's one of the reasons why kids don't feel like they've got to work. It's because their parents haven't made them work. I want to provide, I had to work so hard when I was a child. I just want my child to have a slightly easier life. Hold on. Are you sure that's a good idea? A new book from Mary Beakey. I think she's some sort of relationship to Dr. Joel Beakey. Writing a new book, Teach Them to Work. Building a Positive Work Ethic in Our Children. Super helpful book. Paul Washer, he wrote a critique. It's an endorsement of the book. I guess I could read it rather than paraphrase it because it's Paul Washer and it's really good stuff. Mary Beakey has written a remarkable book on the privilege and art of raising children. It is theological, practical, insightful, helpful, and a delight to read. As I turned the pages, I felt as though I was reading. Shouldn't it be were? I'll have to send Paul a note as though I were reading from a reformed or Puritan classic on the family that had been recrafted by the pen of a contemporary writer and made accessible to all. Indeed, so much help. Friel, could you give us an example? So glad that you asked. This is from Teach Them to Work. God invented work. He was the first one to work in the span of six days. His words performed the amazing work of creating the heavens and the earth and all living things. And he still does his good and unfathomable work of sustaining this universe every moment. What does this have to do with your children? They're supposed to be like God. Get to work. God is working really hard without ever draining himself, losing energy or power. Nevertheless, he works hard. You know, Being aware of what every molecule in the universe is doing and directing them, that's not small work. That's big work. And we're made in his image. That's why we work. And if I might, if I might, mom and dad, I think one of the reasons that perhaps you and I wanted our kids' lives to be easier was because of the way that work was presented to us. Hey, get off the couch. Adults don't get summer vacation. Do your chores. Jimmy, is that sounding rather familiar to you? Absolutely. Yeah, and that that okay, I, I I get it, but that's honestly, believe it or not, that's easy parenting. What Mary Beakey is after is is the art of parenting, that we are teaching them these things rather than just dictating and commanding. Not that that doesn't ever have a place, but if the totality of your parenting is do this, don't do that, you're probably going to get a kid that resists. Almost everything that you value. Now, they might come back like a wandering prodigal, but we don't want to rebuff our kids. We want to grow them up. And if we believe, because work began in the garden before the fall, that work is good, shouldn't we be modeling that? Uh, Not like Mary Poppins. Yay, kids, it's Saturday morning. Get up. We got to clean the garage. Okay. Don't want to be ridiculous, but how's about something that is instructive and positive? God works, we work. We're going to do that this morning as a family. Let's do this work together because it's theological. In paradise, Adam was remarkably busy. God assigned him large and essential tasks. 
It's funny. Every time that you read through Genesis chapter two, typically the debate is how could he have done that? How could he name all those animals? He had a lot of animals to name. And then, of course, we explain, well, there's a difference between species and kind. So he didn't have to name every single version of an animal. Instead, he named them by kind. Still, that's a chore. Why did he get it done? Because he was working hard. There are a lot of answers in Genesis. As the highest functioning creature that God had just created, Adam was put in charge of the earth. In fact, Adam first was to name all the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, as they passed before him. That mandate still applies. Our kids, increasingly, they don't want the stuff that you used to prize. Now, it doesn't mean that they have to necessarily, but have you noticed a wholesale rejection of anything parental? Hey, who would like grandma's silver set? I don't want it. I don't know. They, 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 they want nothing to do with the things that, that we used to cherish, which doesn't necessarily have to be terrible, but we need to help them understand, no, we work to subdue this place. Do, do you know why we actually have utensils? Because we're not animals. And we are here to make this planet tamed, and that mandate still exists to this day. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. So many kids these days, they feel like they are just a miserable loser because of social media and the peer pressure at school. How's about telling them this? Subdue the earth. God has given you dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That's that's calling our kids up. That's what we're that's why we have silverware. That's why we work so hard. Work can become a burden if we're not careful. And we don't want to be having the kids just miserable. Now, you got to figure this out as you go. But little kids should be doing more playing. They should be doing. But that 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 balance needs to shift. Your, your, your six-month-old probably not contributing a lot to the household upkeep and maintenance. They play. They gurgle. They spit up. They get you up in the middle of the night. They make more work for you, basically. But as they get older, they should begin working and increasingly working more so that they are working really hard by the time they're two. I'm sorry. Did I say time to? They should be working really hard by the time they're a teenager. That's what I that's what I meant to say right there. So that balance needs to shift as we prepare them for adulthood, teaching them along the way that work is good. Dad, maybe this is this is a small thing, I grant you, but when you get home, ah, oh, work today was a beating. You know, it might have been hard, but might I encourage you to not dump that all over the kids because it gives them the impression that work is just a big drag and you have nothing to look forward to. And you are right when you desire to do nothing but nothing because work is a bummer. Be careful. We'll be discussing this. I think tomorrow when we tackle Carl Truman's work, Strange New World. But one of his premises is is that our understanding of how the world operates is not taught as much as caught. That, That we just learn as we go what we imbibe in, what we consume, what we witness, what we hear, and mostly from our parents. 
Mary Beakey doing a good work in trying to help us to teach our kids to work. She writes, there are some who make work burdensome for themselves. It's an attitude thing. It's a cultural thing. It's usually only found in flourishing economies. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) What do you mean I have to go get potable water and bring it to the house? Would you prefer to die? So you just you just get here. Well, I've got Twitter, my Instagram. People don't work on Instagram. Don't know if you know that mom and dad. It's complaining. It's a complaining spirit of our day. The thank God it's Friday. The live for fun attitude and the groaning when we have to get up for work or school. Let's not buy into it. Work is a privilege. Having a job is a gift of God. How we deliver that message is crucial. Hey, it's a blessing to work. Now get up, you lazy bones. No, teaching them, preparing them to fly from the nest and work harder than most of their peers. This is Wretched Radio. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, was firebombed. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasounds, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Why do we believe so much in biblical counseling? And it's comments like these. I just haven't thought of it that way. Pretty intense, huh? Those are comments from real people receiving real biblical counseling for real issues in season one of Transformed. Released this year, Transformed is like nothing else you'll see on Christian TV. You're a fly on the wall witnessing real biblical counseling sessions. With Dr. Greg Gifford, professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University, he's our host and biblical counselor conducting these sessions, which deal with issues like anxiety, OCD, anger, trauma, depression, and much more. And Dr. Dale Johnson, the executive director of ACBC, is our other host. Dr. Johnson chalk talks the sessions to provide a deeper understanding of biblical counseling. Transformed is truly a one-of-a-kind production, providing you with an up-close look at the hope and relief only the Bible can provide. Transformed, from brokenness to wholeness. And it's available now at transformed.org. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared 
among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is administration, the spiritual ability to guide, govern, manage, and correct. Church leaders are charged with keeping the church on the biblical path. As God has given that charge, He has also provided the gifts which enable us to fulfill that charge. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Everybody's working for the weekend, except Protestants. This is Wretched Radio, the subject of vocation, vocare, if you're a Latin scholar, really brought to the surface by the Protestant reformers for us to study it and gaze at what is it that we are doing? Why am I working back then? Oh, we we just think that we should be able to choose a career that makes us happy. Back then, the career chose you based on your circumstances into which family you were born, in what territory, at what level of society, and you went to work. Self-fulfillment, not a chance. You just did it. And we did because there was a Protestant work ethic that said everything that we do is unto the Lord. We aren't making widgets. We are serving the king. That's what we are doing when we go to work. Sure, you submit to your boss, but they are not the CEO. Jesus Christ is. We are doing this unto him. It brings transcendence. And Protestants historically were not lazy, but this generation increasingly is. Working a 40-hour work week? Showing up on time? Not getting the corner office? Not doing exactly what I would like to do? That is a contemporary configuration of our attitude toward work. It's not historical. Mary Beakey, Teach Them to Work. Helpful book, Mom and Dad. You, you, you got to teach your kids to work. Granted, some kids, they just are hard workers. Jimmy's a hard worker, and I'm not even kidding this time. Really? Well, I, I thought so. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, am. I mean, every time I come into your studio, you look like you're doing something. Uh, yeah, I've learned how to fake Of course, it. you've turned your computer screen away from the door so that nobody <laughs> knows what you're doing there. It's true. But you, he, he works hard. It's assumed. In fact, you had a week off. I did. And what did you do? What did I do? I wished I was at work. (laughs) I sat home and did nothing and hated every minute of it. Didn't you just want to chill? No. The the first day was okay, but then after that, I felt it felt wrong. Even though I wasn't doing anything wrong, it felt wrong because men are are supposed to be at work. Yeah. And so I have a I have a funny feeling now. We're we're not going to talk about how your parents delivered the information, but I suspect as a child, it was made clear to you. Absolutely. You get up, do stuff. Oh, yeah. Help this family, which might be another way to approach this subject. Mary Beakey, work is good for the kids. When children are included in the family's work, They're included in the activities of the family. 
being a part of it. This is why the cell phone thing makes me bonkers. It's just more individualism. It's more autonomous selfism. I create my own little world. I look at anything that I want, anything I choose to view. I'm just click, 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 click for me, 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 me. And work calls them to be a part of this family, to reject individualism, to join the club of family, of church, yes, of community and of nation. You know, this is why we used to have flags. It would call people to something. Hey, everybody, gather around this symbol. We're all a part of this. There's a reason that even dictators do that. That's because it brings people together because we need that. And these days, the social media, I'm not saying it's a total curse, but in a sense, it certainly is because it calls us away from community. Even as Mark Zuckerberg says, we want you to be a part of the Facebook community. It's not a community. It's electronics. That's all it is. Yes, you get some information communicated to you, and you know what your Aunt Sally, Sally is doing for summer vacation. I Yes, God, but that ain't relationship. That ain't being a part of something. If Mark Zuckerberg says it, we should probably believe the opposite. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg says that it's a Facebook family. No, no, it's not. No, just out of hand, whatever he says, go the opposite direction. We want kids to be involved. We don't want them to be lonely, anxious, suicidal. How's about we bring them into family work? They have a sense of being needed and valued, which makes them feel worthwhile and happy. Additionally, work teaches life skills. Children learn obedience, self-discipline. They learn submission, which is why I do believe Ted Tripp is still right. Why? Because he's Ted Tripp. First duty of a parent is to get your kids to submit to you. First thing, this is wanting, I'm afraid, even in evangelical Christianity. It's not uncommon to go into a public space and to hear a kid just beating up mom. I, I see it all that was at the grocery store over the weekend, and I saw this. These kids in the cart, and, and, and this was the other thing that I saw. All right, try to, try to visualize this. I, I'm going to be a three-year-old, and I'm sitting in the cart, which, frankly, you want to put your kid to work? Have them push the cart. Yeah, they're going to bump into some stuff. So what? Have them push the cart. Nevertheless, there I am, three years old, my legs dangling pretty far because I was already a green bean at that point. Or is it a string bean? The point is, I was a vegetable, still am, and I'm in the cart, and mom is standing right next to me, talking to somebody and looking at stuff on the shelf. And this, this is what the kid did. Mom, 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 and then they have a breakdown because they know that that is what is required to get their attention. It is this detached parenting. And by the way, incidentally, if you happen to be one of those parents, there are other people on the planet. The screaming might not bother you, but it doesn't make the rest of us very happy. It is a detached parenting style. And Mary Beaky is saying, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. We need to put these kids to work and disciple them and grow them up to have the Protestant work ethic. This is a list from Mary Beaky, and anytime I see a list, we use it. Work done together is more enjoyable. Teach the children as you go. 
Start young. Establish good habits. It's crucial. The the making the bed, the putting the dirty clothes in the hamper, and turning your socks outside in or inside. Instead of just taking them off and making mom who does the laundry, which the kids should actually be doing, turn your socks inside out. If you don't, you'll you'll wish that you still had socks. What I'm what I'm saying. Establish good habits. Being together and accomplishing things is time well spent. I know it's frustrating. They don't do things as well. You could do it faster. But we're parents. We're disciplers. We need to be teaching them. It needs to be done not as well. There need to be some additional messes. I get it. It's hard. But we got we to gotta put these kids to work ASAP. Working time is good family time. Work is part of life. Parental example is powerful. Staying positive takes effort, but it pays off. Children, respond to our expectations. All the reasons in the world to get your kid to work. This book, if you're interested, Mary Beakey, Teach Them to Work, Building a Positive Work Ethic in Our Children. It's endorsed by Paul Washer. Steve Brown endorsed this. Steve Craig endorsed this. So consider maybe, just maybe, restructuring things in your family. Just just maybe you need some adjustments and some tweaks. Maybe you need to tear down the current structure and start from, from ground up and start building a home that is a pleasant place to work. You don't like going to work where the boss barks, dictates, commands, and then makes you feel terrible when you biff it. You don't like that kind of boss. We shouldn't be that kind of boss to our kids. Super easy. I certainly know that. But if we want our kids to do adulting well, (laughs) it just always cracks me up. Um, I went to Home Depot. I guess I'm adulting. Yeah, well, I I guess, yeah, that's. (laughs) And by the way, that isn't. Doing stuff isn't adulting, and 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 this is this is applicable to Mary Beaky teaching our kids to be workers. It, it, it's not just doing the stuff that makes you mature. It's the motivation. It's the understanding why. It's the reasoning behind it that says, "I have been given a house from God, and it is a blessing to me, and I'm supposed to be a good steward of this thing." Therefore, even though I would rather watch the finals of the Open, which is a bummer Rory McIlroy didn't win, rather than doing that, I'm going to Home Depot. Wait a second. Jimmy, are we still shopping at the Home Depot or are they on the cancel list? Uh, Probably probably on the cancel. Everybody's on the cancel (laughs) list these days. You can't go anywhere without buying stuff. From people who use the money that you give to them poorly, but don't let that cause you consternation. We're in the world. We're not of the world. What they do with the money that you give to them, that is their business and their responsibility. Adulting is teaching kids why we do these things. The reasoning for it, that's what makes it meaningful, transcendent, and frankly, more pleasant. Question, are you teaching your kids to do adulting until tomorrow go serve your king